0: Radioinfluence.com.
1: Welcome into to another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvan. It is Thursday night, June the 16th. Hopefully everyone's having a great start of their weekend. Of course, uh, this is what you know some of us in the, the bar industry call Friday Eve day. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're aware of that.
0: Oh, I'm sure, man. I'm sure Friday Eve is going to be so successful for the bar industry tonight with game six of the NBA Finals. I bet it's a great night out for those those working the bar, and it's going to be a nice little weekend. I'm sure the bar is going to be packed with people uh, flocking to watch PFL4, Jason. Bro, that, dude, you know?
1: I uh, I went out last Saturday night, and uh, so it was game six of the Lightning Rangers game. And the bar I go to, I mean, my buddy texts me. He's like, hey, let's meet there 730, so 30 minutes before the game. And like I knew the UFC fights, the pay-per-view was not going to be there. So I was like, we're going to have to go somewhere else. And, uh, it was literally wall to wall people. Like it it is, it's that part of of in Tampa sports where everyone's like, I don't even care for our lightning family. This is, this is it. Thanks. Everyone's going out. And, uh, we'll talk about, uh, my experience going to another bar to watch, uh, the UFC pay-per-view because, uh it's another indication of how how different it is watching in a sports bar as opposed to watching at home and, and following on social media. But a uh, ton of things going on in the world of MMA, Daniel. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of start with some fight bookings, some of the biggest uh, fight bookings we've seen over the past couple of days. And we got to start with Aljamain Sterling, the UFC bantamweight champion, as it was revealed this week that he's going to defend his title against TJ Dillashaw at UFC 279 on September 10th. Then right before the show, I go on the MMA Reddit, which is kind of my go-to place to find news uh, these days, and there's a video from uh, his podcast where Al Jermaine Stern is like, hold on, yeah, I am preparing to fight TJ Dillashaw, he used a bunch of other names for TJ Dillashaw as well, he goes, but we haven't signed a contract yet, basically, he, he short story, he's looking for a pay bump.
0: Yeah, it's always funny how these stories, these fight announcements come out. Before the fighter has signed on the dotted line. And, you know, it, I feel like I would be one who would have some pushback if I hadn't signed a fight agreement as a champion and it already gets announced. I'm like, hold on. I want to put some more zeros on my on my payday. And fortunately for Aljo, he's not maybe the type of draw that I think can really play too much of hardball with the UFC. Right? Especially when, you know, they could just do Dillashaw versus someone to crown an interim champion. This is a promotion that loves bringing out the interim championships from the closet. So I would be surprised if this one doesn't get done because I don't know how much room Aljo has to work with It's odd that the fight was already announced, but it's it's a fight that I'm excited for. And I I see you laughing because it's odd, but obviously it's not surprising.
1: (laughs) Classic UFC move. Like, they do this all the goddamn time like i remember i don't know it was within like last year i there was a fight that got leaked out there and uh i was speaking with somebody in the know on they're like bro we haven't even gotten a call from the ufc on this fight
0: yeah yeah i that's uh it's par for the course of the way the ufc does business with their fighters but i mean hey it looks like the Bantamweight division is starting to shake out. You know, Aljo Dillashaw is a great fight, and obviously there's another fight there that makes a lot of sense or maybe crowning the new number one contender.
1: Bro, that Aldo-Morab fight that you were one talking about going to be on the August 20th pay-per-view. Man, bang of a fight. For Jose Aldo, I'm kind of like, man, I, I just don't know stylistically. That's a, that's a great matchup for him.
0: Yeah, there's no one in that division that wants to fight Mirab. or at least they shouldn't if they care about winning fights. Mirab also has the the downside of not having much name value. So it's just a lose-lose in general for any Bantamweight. It's surprising to see Aldo uh, maybe accepting this fight because you would think out of anyone in this weight class, he probably has the most leverage to have a safe, trajectory back to a championship opportunity this is the hardest road possible the hardest road possible I would be stunned if he wins this fight just because in my opinion Murab in this weight class is the best fighter he just is he may not have the championship but if you put him in a fight against Aljamain Sterling you know the odds would be something where I'm I'm thinking towards Murab doubt we'll see that fight obviously but you know, I, to me, the fight I want to see for Mirab is Mirab versus Peter Jan. I mean, that to me is his dream fight. But Aldo is also just one hell of a lot of opponent. And he's a guy who historically has had phenomenal takedown defense. So that's kind of what will make this one intriguing.
1: Yeah, and then I saw uh, right before the show, I guess apparently they're looking at doing Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yudong. So we'll see what, what that leaves Peter Yan with. But uh, Marab, obviously, if we want to see Marab and Aljamain go at it, we probably just got to go to Longo, yeah. And that's where we can see those two guys. And, of course, it was, what, about a week ago, that Aljo basically said, he's like, man, I'll, I'll move up the 45 and let Marab try to take down this 135-pound division. Uh, over on the Bellator side of the thing, they made some news this week. Uh, They've got, they announced a a pair of fight cards. One fight card going to be headlined by the lightweight title fight, Patrici Pitbull taking on Sydney Outlaw. That'll be on July the 22nd. And uh, that was a fight that when I was interviewing Brent Premis back on Friday of last week, of course, that was on the last episode of the podcast. He kind of knew that they had gone that route. He said, then he asked for a top five opponent. Didn't get that wish. He wanted to fight Usman and Now he's to uh, take on Alexander Shelby next week. uh at the, at the uh, Bellator event up in Connecticut. Also Bellator announced Neiman Gracie versus Gochi Yamauchi. That'll be the main event of the August 12th show i love that fight just because that's one of those matchups that just from a, a fan's perspective daniel like i'd love to see what that fight looks like if it hits the mat because they're both that's they're both they're they're jitsu guys
0: yeah and honestly Goichi amuchi is one of the most exciting fighters on that bellator roster he's someone who is exciting to watch on the ground but also on the feet i think a big reason why is he's just hyper aggressive He's like a little energizer bunny, and he is so willing to risk it for the biscuit in terms of trying for submissions or a significant strike. So, yeah, the fight of Gracie's really good. I, I I think the grappling exchanges would be must watch, and it wouldn't be boring. It wouldn't be a lay-and-pray type fight. You know, the Petriki fight's a good one. It's not super exciting. I feel like the straw that stirs the drink. In the lightweight division, it's a it's a weight class in Bellator that for the longest time has been one of their most prominent weight classes. Currently, it's in a bit of a holding pattern. It's not the most exciting. But I think Usman Nurmagomedov is the fighter with the type of last name and skill level to maybe one day bring this weight class back to prominence, right? A lightweight championship fight between Nurmagomedov and Pitbull or Nurmagomedov and Primus. That's the type of fight that might one day make that Bellator lightweight class A drawing component. Outlaw Pitbull, it's the fight you kind of had to make looking at the Bellator rankings, but it's definitely not a marquee main event type fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the issues Bellator kind of faces right now. And I mean, look, I think the PFL faces the same dilemma as well of, you know, putting on fights that are ultimately going to get people excited to sit home on a Friday night. And, you know, I do wonder how much maybe because of the UFC running 42 events a year. And, of course, right now we're, we're in a stretch of I think we got, you know, 10 more uh, Saturdays in a row here of UFC events. You know, by the way, speaking of Bellator, and you mentioned about Kochi Yamauchi being one of the most exciting fighters. When I think of the most exciting fighter in Bellator, I think of Michael Page. And I forget whether it was Thursday or Friday last week, get here in the office. I open up the, the Twitter for, for Mac app and uh, because they're getting rid of, uh, I don't know if you saw this, the TweetDeck uh, app is going away July 1st. That was bummer news. But uh, I see this photo of Michael Page versus Mike Perry, BKFC in London, and I text the source. I go, this is legit. And they go, yeah, this is legit. This is uh, Michael Page wants to want to do a boxing matchup, and uh, this is going to happen. Which, you know, I'm not surprised that Bellator's allowing Michael Page to take a a, a boxing or or in this case a bare knuckle boxing matchup. To me, I think what the odd part of this is is I would look at BKFC as a competitor of Bellator in the terms of talent acquisition, and, and that to me was which was. I guess probably the most interesting aspect of this story.
0: Yeah, this is a fight that honestly, if Bellator had put on as a mixed martial arts fight, I would two thumbs up. Be excited for Mike Perry, Michael Page, MA fight. It probably wouldn't look that much different than the bare knuckle fight, to be honest. There might even be more more strikes because of the gloves. But this is the type of fight that kind of, it would get me to watch a BKFC card. Like I would seek out watching this fight, especially because it's happening in England. Well done to BKFC. Mm-hmm. And and the point you make is interesting. I, I'm not sure if Bellator was looking into signing Greg Hardy, but anytime a fighter is released by the UFC, you are right to mention that they're either going to go to Bellator, PFL. And more and more often, BKFC. And it makes sense from the fighter standpoint in that the paydays are just really good in BKFC. And that's the type of fire BKFC is trying to attract. It's an astute point. It's not something I think of. But without a doubt, anytime you see a shocking name released from the UFC, one of the primary free agent destinations is Bare Knuckle Fight and not another mixed martial arts organization.
1: I remember when Paige Van Zent her time in the UFC was over. I had heard from pretty good sources that Bellator made a significant offer. And then I was told BKFC blew that offer out of the water. And my whole thing with BKFC is I wonder how, how they are making money as an organization. I mean, they're doing a ton of events. I don't know. People may not realize this. It seems like they're doing an event like every two or three weeks where Bellator's just not doing events. I mean, and it's kind of like I look at Bellator and I just, I kind of in a way feel like people just in a way have forgotten about Bellator. I mean, they're back next week. You got Gegard Mousasi and Johnny Eblen. But it's just like, I feel like Pete, they're Bellator's just not in the news cycle.
0: Yeah, I think as a product, they have not returned to form since the pandemic started. Out of all the Mixed Martial Arts major promotions, they've done the worst job of regaining their momentum that they had before everything was shut down. And it's just, uh, you know, you look at the tournament they put together and then there's some bad luck there with some guys pulling out before it even gets underway. But one can hope if you're bellows for to can do a more consistent output of events because, you know, doing one event every month, if those events aren't stacked, you could go two to three months without a casual MMA fan or half a year without a casual MMA fan being aware of any fights happening inside your cage. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the UFC is a talking point every single week. If you're Bellator, you got to force your way in there and do something that gets some of the oxygen and there's a limited amount of oxygen and attention. And it's not just the UFC that's taking it. It's PFL. It's BKFC. It's these celebrity fights. It is a tough landscape to be a fight promoter.
1: Like I don't know if Bellator thinks this way, but if I was Scott Coker, I'd want Danny Sabatella to win that bantamweight tournament.
0: When you listen to his interviews with you, press conferences, without a doubt, outside the cage, he is just a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. He's an entertainer with a capital E. And I think you're right. I think that's someone who you would love to do business with at a high level because he's someone you can put in front of a microphone. And because of his words gets new fans. So I do agree with you. I don't know what his chances are, but his chances are pretty high of making it to the next round.
1: Like, look, if I was in Scott Coger position, like I could kind of see like his mind might be thinking, man, what if James Gallagher can put on a winning streak? Danny Sabatello just rolls through this tournament. Sabatello, Gallagher, and Ireland? Like, I feel like from a gate perspective, now, look, I don't think Gallagher can get to that point. i would just be fully transparent with that. Even though he is training at Gloria may under James Krause, see how he goes there. But, like, I just feel like Danny Sabatello, is just, he knows how to sell a fight. And, like, he's not trying to be a fan favorite. Like he, he'll make that well-known. He's like, he's not trying to be Mr. Fan favorite, but he's going to say a lot of stuff. That's it. it he's the Bellators version of Colby Covington. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't yeah. say things as controversial as Colby Covington.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's someone who even outside of this tournament, once it's over, he's a big time, asset to bellator he can make fights that on paper maybe aren't interesting a part of the conversation he's willing to do lots of media right it's a big deal for him to get that spot with ariel hawani on the ma hour you don't see a lot of bellator fighters get those spots
1: i i'm wondering did bellator set that up or did his manager jason house set that up
0: probably the latter I would think I mean, my I my, like, gu- yeah. my
1: guess is that Ed Cap, uh, who who does all the PR for uh, Iridium Sports Management, he's who I deal with uh, to get fires on the show. I would imagine that he's probably pitched Danny to Ariel, and I'm sure Ariel, you know, has seen how Danny Sabatello, you know, does interviews, and he's probably like, yeah, I'm with that guy on my show.
0: Yeah, and it, it's a great spot. A lot of people watch it, and it's uh, a limited amount of spots to get in. Right, you're only talking about nine to 10 different fighters interviewed each week. And it's the hottest ticket in terms of if you're a fighter trying to get your name out there or promote your fight and Sabatello cashed it. Why? Cause he's one hell of an interview. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be gold when you have him on your show. And for Bellator, there is a short list of fighters that fit that quota. Sabatello is one of them. And there aren't many more after.
1: Like, look, if I, if I was Bellator PR I mean, yeah, I'm trying to get Gegard on that show next week, but I'm also try- probably trying to get Johnny Eblin on there because what if Johnny Eblin goes out and shocks the world?
0: Yeah, Johnny Eblin, if he does that, it, it would be a boon for, for Bellator just because for Musasi, he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He won't be fighting five years from now, right? When you see the, the amount of fighters retiring, I mean, Gegard's been fighting for like two decades at this point. He's not someone who will be with you five years from now. It's just as simple as that. Eplen, he might. He might be with the UFC five years from now, but without a doubt, amongst that Bellator roster, if you're buying stock on fighters, Johnny Eplen's going to be high on that draft board.
1: Oh, no question. And especially when you're talking about a vision that I think when we look overall in the MMA landscape, it's an, a A division that needs replenishing. Now, uh, speaking of the middleweight division, uh, should we know that Alex Bahia's manager came out and said they've been told that the the winner of Alex's fight with Sean Strickland is going to be next uh, for the winner of Izzy and Jared Kanier, which is anyone shocked by this? Because right when they said Alex Bahia is fighting Sean Strickland, I go, well, he is on the fast track. They are trying to fast track this hell. This Alex Izzy rematch in MMA, of course, salt and kickboxing, like right when they made this Strickland fight, you, you knew this was happening.
0: Yeah, dude, can you imagine the shit show if Strickland wins? He's going to say so much stupid things <laughs> when he's under the microscope of a uh, Championship fight pre fight media deal. I mean, I would put even odds on that fight not happening because Sean Strickland gets himself canceled.
1: I saw that he was tra- he's been training at American Top Team down at Coconut Creek, so I guess he he has said some things about Kayla Harrison, uh, I guess in the past, so uh, I guess he had to offer up an apology uh, at ATT, but uh, yeah, I man, could you imagine how heavily they might have to edit the UFC Countdown show when they go to Sean Strickland's uh, apartment?
0: I can't even imagine that they would show a single foot of Sean Strickland's apartment. That is the – that is the uh, – that looks – that bachelor pad is just – I mean, Jason, can you imagine that the the bachelor pad getting the UFC countdown treatment? Like, if you're a UFC-embedded cameraman, you are just saying, no, I'm not taking the Sean Strickland uh, – I'm not working with him. I'm going to work with uh, Sanya for that one because you alone – in Sean Strickland's apartment, you're you, you, you're questioning your life choices at that point. <laughs> you are you are setting your find my iPhone uh, uh app on for others.
1: Dude, I actually know somebody who does that and beta stuff, and uh I would bet that I bet you there would be careman who would be dying for that gig. Because they would sit there and go, You know he's gonna do something crazy. I want to be the guy who films it.
0: And they might be dying. That's for sure. That is for sure.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just thinking, the, the story you told about uh, taking a gun to the uh, post office box? Yeah. I'm sitting there going, could you imagine? You're you're the embedded care man. And they're like, hey, Sean, why why are you strapped? Go and get the mail. Oh, uh, man, you never know.
0: <laughs> just, yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine if you have to go to the restroom there? You know, it's just not a pleasant place to go to the restroom. You don't have all the toiletries set for you in in the right way.
1: You just go find a bush out in the front yard.
0: (laughs) It's probably better. It's probably better with Sean Strickland working security.
1: Uh, by the way, uh, two other news items to mention before we get into some takeaways from UFC 275. Uh, Askar Masarov has apparently been released by the UFC. I guess we really shouldn't be shocked by that one. Uh, and Zabit Maganez Sharapov informs the UFC he's retiring from active competition. He wrote this big post on Instagram, which uh, I guess kind of paraphrased It just sounds like, uh, you know, the body's just not uh, performing the way he wants to. And uh, I keep... if ultimately retirement does stick. And, you know, I never believe that R word MMA. He's going to be one of those guys you just look at and you kind of go, what could have been?
0: Yeah. He's definitely going to be on the short list of fighters that like fighters that retired, but they probably could have won a championship. He had that talent level, you know, the biggest question, mark, maybe he just retired because he didn't want to go to round four and five. <laughs> like that's, that's the only question mark on Zabit's <laughs> resume is not, fighting five-round fights, but when you look at his performance, I mean, literally unblemished in the UFC. Great fight against Cater early on, and he didn't fight a long list of high, high high-level top-five fighters. There's only a couple of those guys on his resume, maybe just one, maybe just Cater, but the upside was there. The idea that Zabit could possibly uh, fight for a championship, win a championship, he had that upside. He's someone who I don't think we'll come back, but we shall see. I mean, we have plenty of fighters that are retiring each and every week. But this is the thing where it feels like he's kind of been retired for years now. Mm -hmm. And now it's just official. Like, he's found a new career that he's going after.
1: Yeah, I remember when uh, Cater stepped up to take that fight. And uh, Team Cater, they won five rounds. And the beats team said no. They only won three rounds. We saw how that fight went. If that fight would have hit rounds four and five, that was Calvin Cater's fight to lose. Of course, we'll talk about Calvin Cater a little bit later on the show. We talk about UFC Austin. But, of course, uh, last weekend was UFC 275. And, uh, man, boy, that, that fight card absolutely delivered. Uh, you know, that pay-per-view. I mean, that that's as combat consumers that's all we can ask for is that goes out there i'll tell you so i uh went out to a bar ended up getting to the bar uh, after a lightning game was over and literally walk in right as way lee is knocking out Joanna. and uh you know it's it's one of those things where i've talked about this before where you go out to a sports bar and and how it can be a very different experience watching it from a sports bar as opposed to watching it from you know your your living room where you know maybe you're following MMA Twitter. And uh, I was literally standing there during the co-main event, and I had to be next to the biggest Thalia Santos fan. I mean, this dude knew everything there was about Thalia Santos. And uh, my second biggest takeaways was I'm watching the main event. I'm enjoying the main event. Great main event. And this dude would not stop talking to me. And it was very clear that he thought the guy that Glover and Yuri were fighting for the interim title because John Jones was still the champion.
0: That's such a weird guy that he was such a like such a big fan of Tyler Santos, but was unaware of the light heavyweight championship. No, no, no. Two two different dudes. Oh, oh, I thought it was the same guy. I'm like, how is this guy a major <laughs> Santos fan, but doesn't know that the... Uh, Light heavyweight championship has changed hands a couple of times since it was around the waist of Joe. Yeah, I think a lot of people, more people than we would care to admit, are in that boat. They might still think Chuck Liddell is fighting, right? They they might still wonder like, when's Brock coming back? Like the it's that type of group. The when's the next Ronda Rousey fight? Well, she's only going to come back for Gina Carano, but it's a good experience. Now, what was it like? when Yuana got knocked out in that bar.
1: Well, I literally walked in right as as it happened. So I, I didn't see the the live reaction to it happened. Like, I mean it's like it's one of these things like, there's no question the oh my God moment of UFC 275 is Yuri submitting Glover. And why Glover did what he did in the final minute of that fight is going to be something that I think we're all going to be puzzled about. You know, it's like Bro, if you just throw punches, the referee's going to come in and stop the fight. And uh, one of my gambling friends, uh, I, I had mentioned that at DK Sportsbook, the Yuri wins via submission was sixteen to one. Apparently, over FanDuel Sportsbook, it was thirty to one. Which, I mean, man, if you if you hit that prop, man, kudos to you. Uh, I mean, look, if a headbutt doesn't happen in the co-main event, we probably have a new UFC women's flyweight champion. Like, I mean so I was thinking about this of like, kind of like what's next. Like if you told me the UFC booked to rematches, the main event, and co-main event, I wouldn't have a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm someone who's really against rematches, but it's hard not to make a case for either one. Right. The main event. Well, that was just like one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so I'm kind of down for it. Like that was just, I've never seen a fight. Well, I have seen fights like this, but I don't know. The amount of times that this fight went back and forth might have set a record. Because I feel like the tone and the idea that this guy's obviously going to win changed about 14 times in this fight, Jason. I was aware of the result of this fight when I was watching it. I thought I may have misread it when I was watching the fifth round. <laughs> when I saw... That Glover Teixeira, one of the best grapplers in the UFC, was in full mount in round five. With time ticking away, I'm like, how in God's name does Yuri win this fight? And it shows you that this sport is beautiful because it can end in a freaking instant. One mistake in attacking that moment, and that's what happened there. I mean, it was just the... Yeah, if you had told me that Proska wins round five submission, I would have told you you're drunk. And it was just – it was unique. I I don't know if it's a rear naked choke or a bulldog choke or whatever, but it was just – it was surprising. But, Jason, I wouldn't be opposed to it because Glover's so old. You know, I felt so bad for him afterwards. I might just give the poor man a rematch. But honestly – I'm probably going Prohaska versus the winner of Anthony Smith and uh, Ankaliyev. I think that's probably the next best bet because, oh, we, we we start there and we can talk about the women's fight next, but what would you do? What would you do? I, I, definitely, wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't book Jan versus Yuri.
1: I would wait until after Ankaliyev and Smith before deciding which way you want to go, which... Yeah, I, I talked about, I love going down the MMA Reddit, and uh, I saw this quote from Anthony Smith on from Era Hawane's show. He goes, you got these three European guys, and Yuri Prohoshka, Jan Blachowicz, and Alexander Rakic, who, for whatever reason, are kind of beefing a little bit, fighting to see who the king of Europe is. They're going to be effing around, and some nerd from Nebraska is going to sneak up and take it all from them. Like, I just saw that. I just started bust out laughing like, because I would tell you, I, I, I mentioned this last week on the podcast. I recently started listening to Bisbee Yankees Piss Podcast. Uh, it's an amazing podcast. Like, and it's, they talk kind of talk about everything, and I just find it very enjoyable to watch. Like, to me, I would wait to see what happens there. If one of those guys just rolls through the other one, I think they do go to the top of the line. Obviously, Rakic, he's out. He's got the injury. So, he's you got Jan Blachowicz, that, to me, was going to be there. The Glover Nachero one, I mean, it's one of those things of, I mean, we all know Glover is at the end of his, his line here. I mean, he's in the final chapter of his career. So, like, I wouldn't mind if they go there. But, like, when you see the reaction that Yuri got in his home country, like, if you're the UFC, how do you not start scoping out arenas to have Yuri's first tile defense in?
0: Yeah, it was a phenomenal video uh, of that reaction in. And- Yuri is someone who can connect to people because of his look and his fighting style. All you got to do if you're a fan is watch this dude do the weirdest exercises ever one arm pull ups, <laughs> etc. And you're all in before he fights. And when he fights, he's so damn exciting. Usually he's knocking people out. I mean, man, my big takeaway from that fight was. You know, Anthony Smith criticized the fight IQ of both fighters. And you know what? That's a very fair criticism when you look at how many openings each guy had. I mean, even going to when Glover rocked Prohaska and went for the guillotine choke, that was a mistake. But, man, my big takeaway was, Jesus, Yuri hits so hard. The noise off of his strikes were so loud. So, yeah, I think Prohaska fighting in his home country, fighting in in Eastern Europe is just a no-brainer. When you watch this fight, when you watch Prohaska fight, what's your tell on how long or short you think this championship reign is? Where do you think his skill level stacks up? Did this fight make you more or less confident in him being the kingpin of 205?
1: Probably less. Just just because of, I mean, I mean like you can you see holes, but like, when I look through this entire light heavyweight division right now, I don't see someone that's going to go on a two three year run that we've seen in some other divisions. Like you've seen, you know, when Joanna was at 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 her peak, you look at what Valentina's right now. Like, there's not some like when I look at this top of this division, I just kind of feel like we're going to be in a, in a, a scenario for a while where this belt's just going to constantly be changing hands.
0: Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Like. Prohaska versus Anthony Smith is a tough fight for Prohaska. Uh, if he can get past these guys, though—the Smiths, Beyonds, Uncle Lives, and maybe one day Rakic—then it's smooth sailing. But that's a tough task. I think for for Yuri, the positive was he did not freak out when he got put on his back, and he survived on his back. Maybe the part of his game that you would say is the weakest showed it's not. For the downside was how often he got hit, how often he got rocked. I don't know if there's anyone here that can actually knock him out in this weight class, but uh, you probably have to go to the heavyweight division to find someone that can knock out Yuri. So it was if my gut instinct says he's able to do a couple good title defenses, but I don't feel good about it. I really don't because i i I see what you're putting down in terms of I could absolutely see Anthony Smith beating on Kalayev and then winning the championship. In Terms of power ranking contenders, Jason number one would be the winner of Smith and Goliath, number two would be a Glover rematch, number three would be the Yon fight. It's just really hard for me to advocate for Yon getting a fight for the championship with the way he beat Rockets. It's no, yeah. it's not his fault, but it's just a fact of life.
1: No, I'm with you on there. Uh, yeah, you look at what with when it comes to Valentin Shevchenko, uh, you know, look, I uh, there's not a lot of great options. I mean, and that's probably the best case for for Thalia well, there's, Santos.
0: There's one option, right? There's one obvious option. Misha Tate, <laughs> if she beats Laura Murphy. You laugh. You laugh, but that you know for a fact they would love to do Misha Tate Shevchenko if Misha beats Laura Murphy.
1: Bro. Dude, she's I, a name
0: fighter. You're not wrong.
1: You're not wrong, but like yeah. How many people outside of Misha Tate's camp think that she can beat Valentina Shevchenko?
0: Well, you know, not many, but Tyler Santos did her a lot of favors and, and make maybe making more fans, more people who would think that. Because, like, for Misha, you know she's going to get destroyed on the feet, obviously. But Santos did basically win the first three rounds of this fight by putting Shevchenko against the cage, bringing her down, and out-wrestling her.
1: To me, the interesting name to watch out at 125. She was supposed to take on Kaylee Chukagian. Chukagian's out. Jessica Andrade is stepping in on September 3rd in Paris. Manon Fiorote. To me, if she goes out there and destroys Jessica Andrade, she'll probably have the best case.
0: Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call for sure. And uh, you're right. Fiorote if, if your is also up there. That being said, I'm someone who hates rematches. Let's see this rematch. Okay, let's see this rematch. I'm all in. I mean, how big of an underdog was Santos? She was a big underdog. 12 to 1. 12 to 1. This is a fighter who was well-respected heading into the fight. I thought Santos won this fight. I thought she won the first three rounds. Round 2 was close. It was back and forth from a positional standpoint. You're right to mention that the headbutt was a pivotal thing. Not only did it appear as though maybe Shevchenko caused that damage to the judges, but how in the hell are you expected to fight Shevchenko with basically one eye swollen shut for four and five? It's, it's, har- it's hard, hard up with, with Yeah. <laughs> so who knows how Santos would have fought, performed in those last two rounds. Now that being said, if these two do rematch, I'm feeling pretty confident that Shevchenko is going to win convincingly because in four and five, it was kind of back to back to, you know, what Shevchenko does well. But it was it was a startling thing. It wasn't the most exciting fight, which maybe gives me apprehension. But when you have an all time great like Shevchenko, not a large list of high quality contenders, this does scream rematch to me because, look, I thought Santos should be the champion, you know.
1: Uh, I want to move on to the Whaley and Yawana fight. And I talked about this on on Sunday's podcast about Yawana, And I was thinking about this on Friday. Like, MMA is a sport where we never know when the fall of a fighter is going to happen. Like, I mentioned about Chuck Liddell. When he got knocked out by Rampage, he was never the same again. You look at the fall Ronda Rousey had after she lost a Holly Home. And now you look at the fall of and jachik I mean, she was a strawweight queen, and then she had back-to-back losses to Rose, loses to Tisha Torres, loss against Valentina Shevchenko, a win against Michelle Watterson, and now back-to-back losses against Wei Li Zhang. I mean, the, the fall of Ioana is crazy. You know, it, it's... Pretty clear. It sounds like she wants to move on to the next chapter of her life. I mean, you know, with with starting a family and all those kind of things. Uh, but of course, you know, I never believe that R word. And then on the way least side of this equation, I just laughed when I saw this headline Carla Spars, the New York Post, Zhang Wali fight will happen on my timeline. Carla, do you not know who you fight for?
0: Yeah. She's not someone who has much leverage, especially after the last fight. Right, it's, uh, I mean, they'll they'll just do roses, and, and you know who, you know what fight the UFC probably wants to book? This freaking, star white championship fight, Zang versus Marina Rodriguez. Like, yeah. that to me is going to be a fight that's probably going to happen, and it's going to be glorious. I mean, Marina was out there, she was out there at the location, um, so yeah, I, I look, watching this fight, how can you not think Zang's going to get that championship back? I mean, she was awesome. The thing is, Joanna looked good in the cage. It's just Zang was on another level. And really strong, really strong fighter. Great hand speed. Um, highlight reel knockout. One of the biggest takeaways was, was the, the way that Joanna fell down, took the old Ric Flair bump that he used to take back in the day. But, yeah, it's hard not to get excited about Zang fighting again. She's just uh, she's amazing. And I will say, in terms of retirement, Jason... I do believe you wanna will come back. She might come back sooner for her next fight than she did after this most recent gap in fights between Way Lee fights. So I think you wanna someone who will probably come back.
1: And I was just looking at future betting odds. Way Lee versus Carla Sparza. I thought the number would be higher than what it's uh, listed here on Best Fight odds. They have it listed as Wei Li, minus two sixty, Carla plus two twenty. I would have thought at least a three to one betting favorite for Wei. Yeah,
0: Li. yeah. I think maybe a part of it is maybe Carla just won't do anything, and uh, it'll be another boring fight. That that's a possibility. But yeah, I think uh, Zhang deserves to be a heavy favorite. And again, watching this fight, it's easy to to feel like she's the best weight on the planet. Yeah,
1: I mean, it just, it just man, just a brutal knockout. And yeah. uh, I saw someone put up a meme of Joanna out with her thumb up, and they go, Look, she was okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the
1: ref screwed her.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Dude, dude, this card was freaking dope. Yeah. Like, dude, there were so many. That damn uh, for prelim fight. Um, Silvana Juarez, her power is insane for straw weight. The way she knocked out Liang Na, Silvana Juarez that's a that's a person that I I that's the person you see should get behind because that power was holy crap I'm still thinking about it today.
1: Yeah, I mean she had dropped her, her first two UFC fights both in the first round. Um she's 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 a fighter that's got to keep the fight on the feet. Um fight goes to the ground, she's in trouble there. I mean you got to talk about Jake Matthews. I mean man, what, what going out there, that was an incredible performance that he had. Jack Della Maddalena to me is still that is a guy as you talk about two, three years from now of what he potentially could be uh, for the UFC really sticks out to me there, Um, you know, in terms of, but man, just just top to bottom, a fight card absolutely delivered.
0: Yeah, I think Jake Matthews is a good guy to bring up. He fought against Andre Filo like a future contender. That was like, Jake Matthews has been a part of the UFC for a very long time since an old version of the Ultimate Fighter. Very young when he started, he... He's the finished product now. Obviously ever improving, but he has the strength, the power. His stand-up was so effing good against a guy in Andre Filo who's a good stand-up fighter. And he just was just on another level. So out of everyone, Jake Matthews to me looks the most ready for the next jump up in the top of the welterweights. Madalena, yeah, he nearly got finished by Amiv with that choke, but was able to slip out and and then just go to work. And and you're right to point out that that 25-year-old has a lot of potential. Um, Kulabao and Sungwoo Choi was a great fight worth watching. And then the other name that, oh, two things. One, Brendan Allen had a bad fight against Jacob Malkoon. Not a very good performance for someone with a lot of potential. He obviously needs to work on his wrestling defense. Two, this kid, Mahashate, I don't know if he's a kid. I don't know how old he is. I just, I call him a kid. I, I want to say he's 22. Dude, holy crap. First off, I know he has a first name, but they're marketing him just Mahashate. Great idea. Great idea. We should. Yeah. It's just, this is obviously a guy who, like, he's going to have a lot of potential. If you have a one name only, it's called Mahashate, Shate, and you come out and just destroy people in the first round, a tough guy, and Steve Garcia, Mahashate. I mean, yeah. There's a lot. Like, you had a great main event. You had people talking about the Starweight fight. You wanted his retirement, Jason. And on the other hand, you had four to five fighters that you have to be really excited for. Overall, UFC 275 massive. Two thumbs up for the UFC.
1: Yeah, probably I mean right now I would say the leader in the clubhouse for best pay-per-view of the year.
0: I'm not going to disagree with you, buddy, but uh yeah, I mean Will the hits keep on coming for the UFC? I think when you look at the next main event, it might.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it very well might. Uh, but, of course, before we get there, uh, the UFC, we got a fight night card in front of fans on Saturday night in Austin, Texas, as will be headlined by Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett. Co-main event, Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon. Um, you know, look, I, I we talked about this, I don't know, what was it, a week or two ago, about how, how much I love the Cater and Emmett fight. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. as I like, kind of took a deeper dive into Josh Emmett over the past couple of days is, you know, his second UFC fight, he scored eight takedowns since then. He pretty much has forgotten about going to the takedown route, even though it is. I mean, it's a fight that I believe over five rounds, it is, if you tell me this fight hits round four, round five, to me it is favor Calvin Cater in this one. I mean, obviously Josh Emmett throws some bombs. I do wonder maybe if that team, Alpha Mello team, is going to try to emphasize, hey, let's let's try to mix it up a little bit as opposed to just being that, that power guy there. You know, co-main event, Cerrone and Lazone. You know, Cerrone, I guess, has been filming a a movie in Thailand. And so it kind of makes you wonder what's he going to look like on the scale tomorrow uh, in terms of that. But, like, you look up and down these cards. Like, you know, you were talking about this earlier in the show about, you know, guys who are still doing this damn thing. Uh Eddie Wineland. Still doing this damn thing. Now, he is the biggest betting underdog on this fight card, and the chin has not holed up in his past couple of fights, but, like, that's a guy, like, for us old-school WEC people that would sit there and watch the WEC on Versus, hell, there's probably people who don't even know what Versus is. Um, you yeah, know, that's a guy that was doing it all the way back in the day. He's still doing it. Uh, Cody Stamon's got to get a win. Um, I tried to get Cody on the show, but I was told that pretty much he wasn't doing uh, much media uh for this one. Uh Adrian Yanez Tony Kelly. Uh Adrian Yañez is kind of talking about uh you know he wants to uh deliver the punishment for what Tony T- Kelly uh has said there. Um Rodriguez Marquez, I think someone's getting knocked out in that fight. Um outside of that, you else I didn't mention that sticks out to you?
0: Yeah, uh really here's my big takeaway. Well firstly I want to talk about Tony Kelly. Uh he had a quote that was just hilarious it was calling me racist is the stupidest thing uh, to say. And he says this. He says, actually, I just like everyone equally. I'll put it that way. So I think I pretty much I've answered all that. Much love to my Brazilian fans and friends. If you don't like what I said, I don't know what to tell you on that. Sorry. Sorry if you got your feelings, hurt. That's just a really I, bad defense.
1: Okay. Please tell me that's an Onion article.
0: No, that's a real thing he said. That's, a, that's what he said. Just... Uh, just a just not the way to respond to uh, having a racist comment in the corner. <sighs> <laughs> I All right, Daniel. Uh-huh.
1: Let's say you're Tony Kelly's manager and you read that. Like, what do you do? Do I, you I, attempt I... to pick up the phone and call him and go, hey, bro. Do you realize what you're telling the world?
0: Yes, that I hate everyone equally. I mean, I'm sure he's joking. Right. I would think, but so, yeah.
1: All right. I mean, let's just say when that happened, in Andrea Lee's corner, there are, I mean, look on my Facebook timeline, there's a, a lot of people that make community on that. And I remember one post was like, yeah, not the first time Tony Kelly has been accused of being a racist, mm-hmm.
0: which I'm yeah. like, Ooh, that's not good. That's not good. Yeah. It's hard. Like, like he's.
1: this is my thing about what he said. You heard hatred in his voice. And that's what I think Tony Kelly doesn't comprehend of why everyone believes he's a racist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, despite all that, or in, and because of that, I sadly am looking forward to this fight, right? The story of this fight is one where I will. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing Adrian Yanez fight Tony Kelly because I want to see Yanez win. You know, I have a real rooting interest. It's kind of rough that that plays into maybe the business selling this fight. I think it's a big reason why maybe it's going to be in the marquee spot on the prelims. But, yeah, I think for Tony Kelly with a loss here, he's probably out of the UFC because for the UFC, you probably don't want to be in the Tony Kelly business. You don't want to be in a business with someone who might say something racist.
1: I'm surprised he even got this fight.
0: Yeah, I am, too. I am, too. Man, uh, when I think of this fight night, what I'll tell you is this. You know they need to sell tickets for this one. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: Look, yeah. Yeah, I I, literally, like, if I showed you last week's uh, fight night card or uh, two weeks ago's fight night card, and this fight night card, I said, hey, which one's in front of fans?
0: You would know. Yeah. Yeah, this, this main card for Fight Night is a must-watch. This is a badass Fight Night card because of the quality of fights in terms of guys that you know are going to do a Fight of the Night, right? Tim Means and Kevin Holland? Dude, holy crap. Joe Lozon, Donald Cerrone, probably 1-2 and two on Fight of the Night honors. I don't know if that's a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Uh, it's if, if they're not 1-2, they're like 1-3.
0: Yeah, there's probably a couple other guys that I'm forgetting. but
1: yeah. uh, DeBronx De may be up there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cater um, Emmett, phenomenal main event. Marquez Rodriguez, good fight. Joaquin Buckley is always all excitement going up against Albert Durayev. The one fight I don't have much on is Demir vs. versus Kuta Kutatilaze. I don't know much about either guy.
1: It's a good fight. It's a good fight. Two young guys. Um, Like, I'll tell you, the the Buckley and Daria fight, Buckley's just going to be able to stop. If if Buckley can stop the takedowns, uh, he has a chance to win that fight, but uh, who goes out there. But, okay, total fight night bonuses.
0: But that's it. That's different, though. But, yeah, go ahead. All All right, right. fight
1: night bonuses. Cerrone and DeBronx are tied for first with 18. And then Lazone and Nate Diaz are tied for third place with 15.
0: Wow. Well, I think Cerrone's gonna get 19, but I think over time Oliver Hero will obviously do it. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, hey,
1: like Jim Miller's at 13. If you tell me Jim Miller ends his career with like 18, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: That would be. I don't know, man. Because the thing is, when you, I, I would be a little stunned because he got a lot of those early on. Like Jim Miller, man, when he first got in the UFC, it it was like fight of the night every single time he was fighting, bro. Yeah, who, who who do you got in the in the top two fights between Surani, Lozon, and Emmett Cater?
1: Uh, I like Calvin Cater. Um, I just think that his his striking is just on another level. Um, and, and I I it concerns about a five round gas tank with Josh Emmett. Um, and then I like Joe Lozon um, in, in the co main event. Um, I like Joe to win the first round.
0: Yeah, we got the exact same picks. I, I I'm yeah, and, and Lozon another one who's been around for a long time too. I mean literally going back to when he upset Jen's Pulver at that one UFC card before being on that, for my money, my favorite Ultimate Fighter season, Ultimate Fighter season five, when he was on that season, when Pulver was a coach going up against uh, BJ Penn. But, yeah, it's it's crazy to think, like, Eddie Wineland, been fighting since 2003, you know, nearly 20 years fighting professionally.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and we've seen that chin as a hold up. By the way, with Calvin Cater, so he's ranked as a number four challenger. Mm-hmm. Is this as high as he's going to get? Three is Yair, two is Ortega, one is uh, Holloway, and then obviously the champion Volkanovsky.
0: I could see Cater continuing to move up the rankings. I really could. Because, yeah. dude, he's the type of guy where you could match him up against, you know, put him in some rematches against maybe like Holloway down the line, and maybe he wins that fight. Obviously. He, he 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 lost that fight when they fought not that long ago. But Cater, to me, even though I want to say he's like 34, correct? Uh, yes. he still, to me, appears to be fighting in his prime. So he could still continue to make that adjustment to improve and improve and improve. And his stand-up is at a level to where you put him in a stand-up fight against Yair or Brian Ortega, he might get his hand raised. So for Cater, I don't think he's a lot to maybe win a championship, but I wouldn't Count him out, he has yeah. that high talent level, but yeah. I mean, Josh Emmett, just a historically underrated guy in this weight class, just doesn't really get his flowers or his roses. But for a long period of time, he's been an elite fighter,
1: yeah. Uh, that Ortega Rodriguez fight, uh, came on ABC. Uh, love that decision by the UFC, and uh, man, that's that's got kind of banger ridden. What, written what, all what over else
0: it? is on that card? Let me see.
1: That is the Long Island show. I know Billy Q's on that co-
0: card. I, I got it. I got it. Okay. So they have Ortega Rodriguez, Amanda Lemos versus Michelle Watterson, Salika versus Lee Jingling, uh, Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. This is not the card I would have gone with if I'm the UFC on ABC, to be honest with you. I
1: think, but you got uh, th- you have the right main event, though.
0: You do. You have the right main event. I'm more talking like some of the guys on the main card. You know, these are all really good fighters. Like Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan, that's a great fight. But if I was the UFC, I probably would have put on some guys that you know will probably get like a first round finish and would kind of get that hype. Maybe like a Yuri Brahuska type fighter back when he first debuted a couple fights ago. But yeah, overall, it's pretty good. I guess they're supposed to have a Flyweight Championship fight on here or Ascaram versus Alex Perez on here. But yeah, I mean, it's a hell yeah. of a main event, though.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just looking on the ESPN. The Burgos-Jordain, like that's just got someone's getting knocked the f out in that fight.
0: Yeah, that to me is the number two fight on this card.
1: Um, Algeo Billy Q, that's a good one. Um, yeah,
0: but that's on prelims.
1: I'm surprised it's on the prelims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's surprising to me. Uh, but yeah. but main event, I mean that that is uh, that's spot on. But uh, you know uh, you know Saturdays. The UFC main card, will be, it'll be on the iPad. Got to have Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals on the, on the big screen.
0: Yeah, dude, whenever your team is competing for a championship, I don't have <laughs> much experience, but that's got to be the priority. And for me, look, I'm going to be watching this one. I'm going to be watching PFL in the airport. I'm going to Oklahoma for a little work convention all week. So Sunday at like 6 a.m., i got to be in the airport. So I'm going to be watching a lot of uh, mixed martial arts and in the airport.
1: You going to Windstar?
0: I would, (laughs) know. Yeah, yeah, Windstar, man, yeah. That would be, that would suck. That would not be something I would look forward to. Uh, I've been there before, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm not interested in getting early onset lung cancer. But, uh, you know, I'm going to Norman. I'm going to Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, the convention is going to mostly be on the uh, University of Oklahoma campuses. So, I think I'll have some downtime, at least in the airport. So for sure, be watching, be watching the fights. But yeah, I'm excited, man. It's a, it's a, like a convention for photographers, videographers, and we're talking like a badass convention, like the best videographers in the world, right? You turn on a, a national channel, CNN, et cetera. These are the type of people that are coming in and educating us. So I'm pretty hyped, bro. I'm pretty hyped, but I'm also hyped because it'll give me a lot of downtime to watch these fights.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i looking forward to the main event. And, uh, of course, uh, we got PFL on Friday. This will be the lightweights and light heavyweights. And the weigh-ins took place earlier today. Jeremy Stevens had to shave his head, shave his beard to make weight. And I did see a hilarious tweet where someone had put out the pho- uh, pu- the uh, a photo of this and said, who the F is this guy?
0: And yeah. for longtime
1: long time, MMA fans, you know why that's funny. <laughs>
0: yeah he uh poor jeremy stevens is he on the main card is he he's fighting uh yeah, miles yeah he's on the main card me. yeah yeah so look it's not the sexiest return for the pfl again i'll be watching i think the fight i'm looking forward to the most would probably be the main event collard and alexander martinez martian held and on schultz is a good fight and then the fighter i'm looking forward to watching the most he's the only light heavyweight on the main card antonio carlos jr He's just always must-watch, and you know he's probably going to win a fight in about a round. So if you tell me a guy's a guarantee to be a finisher, I'm all in, and so I'm interested in that. But I think when you look at the lineup for the you know these next three PFL events, this one probably isn't as exciting as maybe PFL six. I think PFL six is probably the one with the Kayla Harrison Julia Bud fight. That you know was going to get people to watch.
1: What does make these next three shows extremely intriguing? No matter whether you you they're sexy match on paper or not, it's because of the fact of you got a win or go home scenario for all of these fights. Like you look at the light heavyweight, you know tournament where the top four advance onto the playoffs the top four have five points or more of course six points you get for a first round finish five points for a second round finish four points for a third round finish and three points for a decision win that in terms of the the fighters who have not who are not the top four uh hamlet has three points everyone else has zero so you know all these guys know that the fact that you can go out there and, and potentially uh, you know, fight your way right into a the tournament. And then, when you look at the lightweight field, this one's kind of interesting. So, Anthony Pass is not on this card, he has six points. But then you have uh, Manfio's got four points, Collar, three points, Alexander Martinez, three points. So that makes that matchup, that's probably a situation where the winner of that fight is advancing on to the playoffs and the losers going home, I think probably tells you why this is the main event of this fight card. Olivia Aubin-Mercier is the only lightweight uh, that has points that's not in the top four. He has three points. Schultz has zero points. So obviously, uh, Manfield, Aubin-Mercier may be probably the fight. That's probably the most intriguing from a fight aspect, but there is there is that built-in drama that the PFL does have going on. And, I mean, look, on Friday night, tomorrow night, there's no NBA playoffs, even Celtics wins tonight. Game seven is not till Sunday. And then the Stanley cup finals does not resume till Saturday. So PFL, they, they've got, uh, if, you know, I mean, obviously you're still competing with everything else going on television, baseball, whatnot, but like in terms of, uh, I mean, outside of, you know, I know CES has got a show on fight pass, but PFL has got a good opportunity to kind of get some people interested in, in their product.
0: Yeah. We'll probably, uh, you know, if anything crazy happens on this card, we'll probably dig into that. PFL card next week and uh, yeah so uh, you know I'll be watching I won't be watching live but I will absolutely be watching the main card and the preliminary tournament fights and so hopefully some people go on and check it out too because uh, you know more good MMA and landscape is always a positive this but, specific season doesn't have a lot of steam on it but you know I'll be watching
1: and by the way PES fights next week uh, against Stevie Ray just looking on the PFL website uh, Chris way takes on Kyle Bachniak. uh, Bruno Capozzo will be in the main event of that fight card. The way he's looked, he just looks like guys probably going to uh, once again, be the, get another million dollar check. Kudos to him, brother. Kudos. You keep cashing the million dollar checks, man. You keep taking that PFL money.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, it's a great place to be. If you're Bruno Capo. Oh,
1: poor shame on race, man. They gave him another grappler. He's taking mm. on Lance Palmer.
0: Must win for Lance Palmer. I mean, if he loses, it could be the last fight Lance Palmer ever has in PFL. We talk about the fall of fighters. Palmer's up there. These last two years, man. Like,
1: it was set up perfect for him going into PFL last season. His contract was expiring. You win that tournament, you're in a great position. And then he can't win a fight.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's a... Must win with every letter capitalized in must win for Lance Palmer.
1: Brent Laughlin, uh, Boston Salmon, that should be a fun fight. I don't, I don't see either one of those guys going for a takedown on that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Uh, surprising to see Lochney not on the main car, but, you know.
1: What, what they didn't want to put him up against a grappler?
0: Yeah. yeah, that's a bad idea.
1: You don't want to give Lance Palmer?
0: No, that that is not happening. <laughs> unless, it's for, unless their hand is forced, but I don't think their, fan, their hand will be forced. I don't, I don't think Palmer's going to get more than three points. You know, so.
1: No, no, God, when's the last time Lance Palmer's won a fight be a
0: stoppage? I don't know. Maybe it was a uh, maybe. Let me see. Oh, PFL five against Luis Rafael Laurentino and Lance Palmer. In his career, has not won via first round since World Series of Fighting.
1: Bro, like you just—you look at just in the PFL, all these, uh, these decision wins, man. It just, you know, dominating wrestler. But unfortunately, if you can't get it to the ground, you're you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, he's been in part of like ten or eleven decisions, you know, since 2018.
1: But by the way, how far was the Rio Grande from uh, Austin? I know Texas is uh, a huge state. I'm always I'm always amazed how far it takes you to get from one place to another.
0: I would say it's about four and a half hour drive. Yeah, four and a half. That's hour not drive.
1: too bad.
0: Yeah, I. If I wasn't working, I probably should have made the trip. To be honest with you, I think maybe next time that the UFC comes to Houston or Austin or San Antonio, I'll go. I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it out there. Cause you said Houston's like seven hours, right? Houston's about five and a half
1: you know oh that's not too bad well, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, mean, I i say not too bad i ain't driving that bro
0: yeah like no, I, put me
1: on a plane
0: yeah especially nowadays with uh how expensive gas is i mean it's uh how expensive uh, is uh, in rio grande oh god i don't even know it's somewhere in the mid force high force it's, it's just a lot bro. where,
1: where i paid 489 on tuesday
0: yeah, my it's it's not as high as 4.89. I feel like it was 4.60 something the last time I pumped up.
1: Yeah, because usually I'll try to go to Sam's Club because it's a little cheaper, but the line is always
0: goddamn insane.
1: And yeah. uh, I remember because I, I need to fill up, and it was like usually it's like relatively cheaper, uh, but when I went, it was it was 4.84.
0: Damn. Yeah, it sucks, man. I gotta buy. I gotta. It makes. I got to tighten up the belt and buy less chicken wings because of how much I'm spending on gas. It's a big, it's a big loss for me. Uh, you got priorities though. It's true. It is true. I
1: mean, if it's good chicken wings, you know?
0: Yeah. I went to a place called wing daddies and, uh, had some spicy bloody Mary wings. And those are pretty good.
1: No, wing gar- daddies. And that's, that, that sounds like they'd have some good chicken wings.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good establishment. I'm not going to lie. And they had like a little appetizer. Cause you know, I'm a big appetizer fan and they're like tater tots with like, uh, you know, bacon inside and cheese and jalapenos.
1: Oh, so loaded tots.
0: Essentially, yeah. It was good. Good stuff. Big recommendation. I'm a big fan of food.
1: Now, are you – you like a big – like, you like hot?
0: I don't love hot, but I like hot. Like, I don't – like, I'm not going to Buffalo Wild Wings and ordering blazing wings. I can't handle it. (laughs) But I'll order, like, a mango habanero and enjoy it. But it's tough. Like, I – I don't know how those people go on that show hot ones and not like how they are able to get through all those chicken wings because those sauces are absurdly hot.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's my question. How much are they getting paid
0: to do all that? I don't know, man. It's, I mean, it's, they, it's
1: like the million dollar man said,
0: everyone's got a price. That's true. But also it's like, they might even do it for free bro because it's all about the promotion. Like, <sighs> like back in the day to promote your product, you would go on the late show the tonight show. If you want people to pay attention to what you're doing, you gotta go on some YouTube show and eat ten spicy chicken wings. Right? Like if you're on hot ones, a crap lot of people see that. So That's I bet they point. even do it for free, bro.
1: Yeah, man. I, I I grew up eating hot food. But like there are there there is a point where I'm just like, no, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good. By by the way, side note, I was reading a completely unrelated but I was reading a book called Boys Will Be Boys about the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. Okay. And all I could think was, we live in a different time. Like you talk about okay. how guys can kind of get canceled so easily nowadays. Uh huh. And you read about what Charles Haley would do, how he would just walk around, just butt naked all the time, pleasuring himself in team meetings. Oh,
1: I've heard this. I've I've heard this story. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's not only like a story. It's just a thing he would do often, like often. Like the reason why the Cowboys got him was because he was such a piece of crap that the Niners wanted to ship out one of the best pass rushers in the league. This is just what he would do, and he he would do it to completion at times. It's and he's not the only one. I mean, you hear the stories about Michael Irvin, how the way Jimmy Johnson treated players. (laughs)
1: Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live where they spoof first take?
0: Yes. I've seen a couple of them. I don't know if I've seen those.
1: Have you seen the one where they're talking about, like, uh, the girl who's acting like she's Molly Quorum says something about cocaine? And uh, Michael Irvin goes, don't don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I will say this. Like, I've, I have a TikTok account, mm-hmm. which is primarily just me just going through it. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, uh, they spoofed him on Saturday night live. He's just like, you know, you made it when they spoof you on Saturday night live.
0: Yeah. If, if they spoof us on Saturday night live, Jason, I think we, uh, we made it. So that's a, yeah,
1: who,
0: who's cause they've spoofed Connor, right? I think they, did oh, I'm spoof sure they have.
1: Oh, I'm sure. they. Yeah. Have.
0: Yeah. I wonder who's going to be the first. I wonder if we'll ever have someone in the MMA world host Saturday night live. I don't even know who would be the most likely person to do it. I mean, I don't know if it counts, but probably, like, Ronda Rousey would be the answer. Uh, if she Tom,
1: if she wins her next fight, Juliana Pena?
0: Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I mean, she – yeah. She could – she has a chance. I mean, maybe, honestly, like, Izzy Adensanya – He's yeah. I know I know Paulo Costa has done some acting on his YouTube channel, but I don't know if he has the name value.
1: Uh I, I think they would stay away from Paulo Costa. You know? <laughs> I think so, he, he might try to throw some elbows. Allegedly.
0: Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe AJ McKee one day. Maybe one day AJ McKee can do it. You know, we've seen uh seen his father be a part of music videos. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that that would be uh that would be a sign of the times that a guy has made it.
1: By the way, speaking of music videos. Yeah. How do we announce a Jake Paul fight on a date, but no opponent announced?
0: I don't know, my man. It's got it's got to be Tommy Fury, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. At least they're going to announce a Tommy Fury until he pulls out and they have to change the fight.
1: And then what former UFC fighter is going to step in?
0: God, Tyron Woodley for the third time? No, no, no one wants Dude, to see that. I saw him and uh, Matt Hughes last night. Yeah, at AEW. They had a little appearance. They, uh... Really? Yeah. Matt Hughes, honestly, he looked really bad um, getting in the ring. It was like a little thing with Dan Lambert where Dan Lambert had Woodley and Matt Hughes like sick him. But right before he was about to do it against a good guy, they ended up siding with the good guy and they helped the good guy. They didn't do too much. But Tyler Woodley did do the thing where he jumped into the ring really impressively. But yeah, Matt Hughes and, and uh, Woodley—they were out there. But yeah, Matt, unfortunately, I don't know if he was starstruck or obviously we all know about the accident. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't moving too well in this instance. But it was nice to see him because you know he was—you uh, know—he's a legend in the sport. I mean, he—he's—he's uh, he's one of those guys that like you kind of forget because the sport moves so fast. But there was a point in time when if you're doing a list of maybe the top 10 fighters of all time and you're making that list in the year 2009, he might work his way into the bottom 10. I mean, he was a damn good welterweight.
1: But when you think about iconic moments in the UFC octagon, yeah. him picking up Frank Trigg and taking him to the other side of the cage has to be in the top 10. Has to, be. yeah, yeah. Poor, poor, Frank Trick, guy refereeing now, and he probably looks up for UFC pair. He goes, "Oh, they're gonna play that time Matt Hughes just picked me up like you know nothing and, and just took me across the cage."
0: Yeah, one of the all-time great fights, bro. Yeah, there, I feel like now that the sport has gone on for a while, there's a lot of things that have gone maybe forgotten that like new fans should be aware of that happened. You know, like uh, something else coming your mind. Just no, just literally anything. Like think back to the Pride days. Think back to all the great things yeah. that happened in the first 100 UFCs, bro. Right. I, like the WECS. I mean, I was thinking about like, I bet a lot of people don't realize how damn good Mike Brown was, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. When when he knocked out Uriah Faber, and I think he defended the title maybe once or twice. You know, like there's there's a lot of things that just people forget.
1: To me, uh, and maybe this is just iconic because of where I was and the reaction it's rampage knocking out Chuck Liddell. I was watching at a bar and I'm telling you, I mean, this is, I mean, prime Chuck Liddell. I mean, Chuck Liddell was Conor McGregor. I mean, and yeah. when he got knocked out, you could have heard a pin drop in this bar I was at. Like it was, I mean, white people's chins on the floor. Like they couldn't believe what just happened.
0: Yeah. And it's funny you bring up white people because Chuck Liddell was like he resonated with like redneck America, you know, like redneck America loved the <laughs> Iceman. Oh, they yeah. did. And not only redneck America, all of America did. But in particular, with Chuck Liddell, if you were maybe from the South, even though Chuck, I don't think is from the South, you just look at the Iceman and that's a damn hero. The way he oh, would yeah? come in with his mohawk. Oh
1: Well, just look at like, it now. Every time they show him on, on, a, on a UFC show and, and the ovation that he gets.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, people, like, we joke around about T.O. Ortiz, but, I mean, there was a point in time when the three faces of the UFC were Ortiz, Couture, and, and Lindell.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm thinking, of, like, just other iconic moments that, like, oh. stick out in my, like, old-school moments. You know, like, I think Dan Henderson knocking out Bisping is up there.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of crazy to call that old school, but it's true. And, you know, when you think of Bisping, you know, it's funny. One of my favorite fighters, when I first started watching the sport, is not a name that is ever really mentioned nowadays. And it's kind of crazy what he was able to accomplish given his disability. But Matt Hamill was someone I really gravitated towards. I watched The Ultimate Fighter Season 3. And I just love this dude, and I'm like, damn, he got robbed and he fought Bisping. That's messed up. And I always loved watching Matt Hamill, who, for those that aren't aware, was a, a deaf fighter who had a hell of a lot of success until John Jones. You know, he he was the only guy to you know he, he did beat John Jones, but it wasn't because of his offense.
1: So I just found this Bleacher Report column. So this is from 2011. So this is going back a long time. The 50. 50- most memorable moments in UFC history. Uh-huh. Number one t- makes total sense in the world. Forrest Bonner, tough one finale. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Uh, number two, Randy Couture comes out of retirement to face Tim Sylvia. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. That's a good one.
1: Uh, three, Matt Hughes beats Frank Trigg for the second time. Uh, four, Randy Couture becomes the first man to win UFC titles in two divisions. Uh, five. Matt Sarah knocks out GSP to win the welterweight title. Uh, BJ Penn number six defeats Matt Hughes to win the welterweight title. Like, I think that's another one. Like, because of how it ended for BJ Penn, there's probably a a good portion of today's MMA fan base that doesn't realize how much of a badass BJ Penn was back in the day.
0: Yeah, there was a day when you talk about like kings of the UFC. It was Anderson, GSP, BJ, and there was a the thought that no one could touch these three. You know, like there are names that people will forget, right? Like Miguel Torres was the top of the band weight division. Just a name people will forget. Uh and, and that's just the way it goes. You know, you think back to some of the W E C guys that fought in other weight classes, right? Like when's the last time you thought about Brock Larson? Yeah. You know, when's the last time you thought about uh Steve Cantwell and uh you know, you know Brian Stan had a really good W E C career and Yeah, there's just so many different memories, man.
1: Here's a great iconic moment. UFC 117, Anderson Silva come from behind victory against Shale Sonnen.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that fight live. Just a hell of a fight. I remember watching that with my friends, right? I remember watching that fight. I remember watching some of the Brock fights. I mean, practically every Brock Lesnar fight was an iconic moment. Really. I mean, they were all absolutely spectacular. I mean, Gonzaga and Krokop, another... Iconic moment because what I was
1: thinking iconic moments and are still a front face, uh front kicking Vitor Belfort in the face. By the way, I was told apparently Vitor Belfort's son is like a top quarterback prospect in a 2025 class.
0: Really? Yeah. What's this? What's this up? I hope he goes to Texas a and
1: I guess apparently he's visiting Florida this weekend.
0: Ah, uh, damn. That's, that's wild. But I mean, Hey, Davi Belfort. Interesting.
1: Okay. Well, well, I'll listen to my last iconic moment in UFC history. Uh huh. Tito Ortiz gets his first win in five years when he submitted Ryan Bader.
0: Yeah, that need to the body to to start things up, and uh, yeah, I mean that's a good one. Let me see when I when I think of iconic moments, let me give you one last one to think of. Uh, I mean, look for me, I don't know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know one of my favorite moments of all time is Forrest Griffin winning the heavyweight championship. I mean that yeah. was. My favorite fighter, without a doubt. To see him win in an upset was just amazing.
1: When Tito beat Shulmanko at the Bellator pay-per-view and he did the gravedigger, bro, the reaction from the crowd. I I remember I was sitting next to uh, Matt Erickson, and I just looked at Matt and go, he still has the star power.
0: Yes, sir, he does. Yes, sir, he does.
1: The one thing I always remember about that week was he Shomenko walked by Tito when Tito was doing his media scrum and I was just like holy crap. They're like two weight classes
0: apart. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Tito's a big dude.
1: Yeah, Tito's yeah, Tito's big, and Shomenko was not big at all. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Could, probably should have been fighting at one seventy.
0: Yeah. Not fighting. Yeah. I don't know if he cut weight to get to 85. I'm sure he probably didn't. You yeah. Know. And yeah. Tito's a true light heavyweight. Yeah, that
1: was oh man, that. Do you think about how long ago that was? That was 2014.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I remember everyone thought that fight was fake.
1: the The memory came up my Facebook memories because I did a piece for the Bellator pay per view on Volkov and Bulgoy, and I was like, holy crap, it was that long ago. It, they literally asked me like questions for like ten minutes for a ninety yeah. second spot.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. It is crazy how fast time flies, my man.
1: Oh, I know. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, yes, like, like someone was saying something to me today, like, oh, you know, 2012. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the last time I was actually in quote unquote terrestrial
0: radio. Yeah.
1: yeah. Long, t- long damn time ago.
0: A decade ago. Doesn't seem like it.
1: No, it does not seem at But that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the M.A. Report podcast. Of course, appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to download, listen to this episode of the podcast. I'll have an interview edition on Sunday. As I sit here right now, I have no clue who's going to be on that show i gotta book i gotta try to book that tonight so uh wish me luck in booking that one but uh, that'll be up uh, on sunday and of course uh myself and daniel we should have a show for you next wednesday it always it always depends on what me and daniel's schedule looks like so uh appreciate everyone taking time every day and that's gonna do it for this edition of the m airport podcast you can check out your favorite podcasting platform radiofluencecom and the m airport youtube channel